Hi, everybody. This is Cliff Ravenscraft. And Stephanie Ravenscraft. And we're coming to you with a very uh, important announcement for this week's podcast. This is probably the worst show we've ever recorded. <laughs> yes, we typically uh, would not come to you and, and just reveal to you up front that this is the worst show ever. But in fact, it is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have a... It has been a very rough week here um, in the Ravenscraft house. We have been... Um, running back and forth to the hospital quite a bit due to my grandmother. I know many of you know about that. and um, Just so those who don't know, she's had a stroke and has been on life support, and things are not good, and yeah. in fact, they may take her off the ventilator today. Exactly. So that's and, not uh, been a good week. So it's really been a rough week emotionally, and um, I'm sure most people would know that emotional drain also... Um, leads to physical drain absolutely and so we've been we've been experiencing some of that and um the following episode that you're about to hear uh was recorded uh much later than we normally would start recording due we to st- other family obligations yes and we started around ten thirty at night and did not finish until almost one o'clock in the morning exactly. so what you're about to hear is uh stephanie uh halfway asleep <laughs> And in fact, uh, you're going to notice that she talks very little during this episode, and Cliff yeah. talks a whole lot. And so we want to apologize in advance, uh, but we know that you guys uh, would enjoy hearing whatever we put out there, at least some of you would. And so we did want to continue to go ahead and put this out there, um, and we are actually going to be adjusting our recording schedule yes. uh, to be more flexible for us, and uh, we're actually going to start recording on Friday evenings or Saturday mornings. Uh, depending on how our schedule is, to gives us much more time to put things together and um, be less but, yeah. constricting in our family time yeah. and, and the, the way things go. Uh, we're just really trying to put together a quality show, and at the same time, we want to make sure that we're not so rushed to do it that we don't enjoy this. And, right. and we thoroughly enjoy this. It's a highlight of our week. And so we want to bring to you our A-game. And so while you are normally used to getting our episodes on Saturday afternoon, it's very possible that that could move to Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. Uh, but but the quality will be, um, you'll, you'll be able to see the, the time delay difference in the, in the quality. Absolutely. You'll, you'll notice that we'll have more time between the episode and to research things within the show to prepare audio clips and to get all of our audio segments in on time, it's going to be a much better show from this point forward. So, anyway, uh, if you're interested in continuing to listen to the following show, <laughs> in spite of what we just warned you of, uh, here it is now. Oh, I feel free. Welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of the Generally Speaking Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Stephanie, Rachel, and Cliff. Hello and welcome to the weekly Lost Edition of Generally Speaking. I'm Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Stephanie Ravenscraft. And this week, Rachel will not be joining us. Uh, She had emailed me this afternoon and said that she had some issues with her DVR. And she was not able to uh, watch this week's episode yet. Anyway, uh, not only that, but she was going to download it off of iTunes this afternoon, or she was going to try to get a hold of you, Steph, and come over and, and watch our version of it on our on our DVR. It's ours different. <laughs> well, you know, we got the World <laughs> Poker Tour thing that nobody else seemed to pick up last week. So, right. yeah. Anyway, she was going to come over, but as many people know, uh, Rachel's seven months pregnant, and she's been experiencing some pretty painful swelling 
in her hands and in her feet. And so she just wasn't feeling up to, to coming over to record tonight. And that's completely understandable. And, and Rachel, we certainly hope you get to feeling better soon. Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off and tell us a little bit about what we're planning for this evening's episode. This is our April 7th, 2006 edition of the show, and this week we will be discussing the newest episode of Lost titled Dave. That's right. We'll start off by breaking the show down plot line by plot line to discuss our reactions with you and share insights that we had during the show. Then we'll take a look at some general items related to Lost in our Generally Speaking About Lost segment. After that, we will check in with Rem for a look at Lost in the News. Of course, the most important voice in our show is yours. We will take a look at our listener feedback regarding this episode of Lost, as well as your theories, comments, and questions. Uh, we do want to hear from you guys, and your voice is very important in what we do here. And so we ask that you do give us a call on our listener line, and the phone number to do that is area code 413 we also have a new trivia contest and forum update from Kim, a crazy theory of the week from Eric, and who knows what else my husband has planned to cram into the show. Well, we sure do have a lot to cover this week, and if you want to follow along, there are show notes available on our website. Simply go to www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com and click on the link for the weekly Lost Podcast. Be sure to stick around at the end of the show for our special spoiler segment where we will talk about what's coming up on Lost. But to start the show off right, let's go ahead and talk about what happened on the island this week. All right. Well, Dave, I'll tell you, it was a very excellent episode. For a second, I thought you were calling me Dave. <laughs> Wait a minute. I might accidentally call you by my sister's name I every now and then. I thought you knew my name. But anyway, Dave was an excellent episode. The show kind of starts off with Hurley revealing to Libby, his new island mate, I guess you want to call her, uh, about his secret stash of goodies. I tried giving it all away, but I guess I kind of kept some of it for myself. Just a little bit. I mean, gosh, what do you have in there? A big 40-ounce tub of peanut butter? and It was huge. So, and then they start throwing... Good thing peanut butter doesn't really go bad. No doubt. <laughs> well, I think Dharma shelf life is like... Yeah. Majorly long, at least for ranch dressing anyway. And uh, Libby kind of talks to Hurley about this and says, you know, well, what are you going to do? And, you know, and, and he takes all the stuff and, and he starts breaking it, throwing it on the ground, destroying it. So that he won't be tied to this this compulsion to eat and to hoard and and all those things and 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 Libby as a clinical psychologist <laughs> yeah right says how does that make you feel uh, I feel free <laughs> <laughs> I feel free and so then immediately uh, everybody starts coming out Hurley's about to be exposed with all this stuff laying all over the ground. And instead of being exposed and revealed for hiding all this stuff, they're actually distracted by the fact that we're going over to look at... More food. More food. And, of course, Charlie had a little bit of something to say about the food that they found. Lux had some kind of blastoise trapped him in the hatch. Maybe it was because of this. So no one would see you dropped him. Any of you guys see a plane last night? So here we have a lot of people that, since the last episode, were talking about... You know, is this food drop 
is it actually correlated to the dropping of the blast doors? And so it seems to be that it's very very possible. And even the people on the island are talking about that as well. And then, of course, Hurley finding the slipper, and then you have the... Uh-oh. <laughs> and we come to commercial break. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. And so, obviously, this slipper was some kind of Santa Rosa institution patient slipper that automatically triggered in his mind. That was Dave that I just saw. And, of course, we're going to come to understand who Dave is. Uh, But before we do, we uh, come back from commercial break, and we have Hurley talking to Dr. Brooks at the institution. (laughs) And did you notice what I noticed, Stephanie, or uh, did you catch it? The island behind Hurley? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, the picture of the island. I mean, that was something you didn't even actually have to TiVo, stop, rewind, and go see. Right, it was just right there. It was just right there, behind Hurley, up on the wall, above the couch, was a poster-sized image of the lost island at least that's what it appeared Mm -hmm. to me to be and as soon as i get a screen capture of that i will post that up on the show notes for this week and so that was obvious it's when we learn why he's there yeah we don't know the extent of it at this point all they're showing us is Is that that his mom put him there his mom put him there because there was an accident because of an accident absolutely Mm -hmm. we do hear the name dave come up as the for the first time Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of like how this Dr. Brooks kind of just allows Hurley to to continue to talk about Dave and and to kind of come to his own realization slowly right. Right. about, you know, his friend who is not really there. <laughs> and uh, the only thing, unfortunately, is that I think they meant to reveal that Dave wasn't real later on when Dr. Brooks shows him the uh, Polaroid picture. However, in this scene right here... Fantastic. Give it to the guy who's not even in the game! It's painfully obvious at this point that Dave's not real. Dave's a bad influence. Oh, he's the most sane person in this place. It just became evident early on. And I think they kind of did too much to reveal that before the Polaroid picture incident. So, Uh, Then back at... Let's see here. Back to Gail. Oh, yes. Lies. He is... I don't think I've seen a liar like that in a long time. I think he's already lied so much that they're not going to believe anything he says anyway. Not now. He could tell them that, that the sky is blue and they would fight him. Right. One of the things that came up in the conversation with Henry Gale this time is what I will say has become one of probably the most famous phrases of all time. And that is this dead already. Mm-hmm. And here's how Henry Gale put it. He was dead already four months ago. I was part of the search party. Henry Gale was hanging out of the basket, neck broken. So anyway, I mean, there you have it again. Mm-hmm. He was dead already, and we're dead already. We're already dead. I mean, this has been said at least seven. six, seven, maybe even eight times now. And and I just have to believe that that has some significance in the overall arch of the story. So do you think they're dead already? I don't think that it's purgatory. I, I mean, they've denied that one too much, but but it's, it has to have something 
some it has to play in somewhere mm-hmm. i think i mean they're they're putting it in way too many episodes for it to just be happenstance so we still have no clue as to what Mr. Echo is building, and I, I thought, didn't you Charlie? You really thought that they were going to tell us last night. I, I did, and I you thought that... You said, w- they won't leave us hanging that long. Yeah, in fact, they did one of the most frustrating things that they could do as writers, and they, they teased us. Yes. I mean, it wasn't just so much, we're just not going to tell you, but we're going to tease you about not telling you. I noticed you were building something. I thought maybe you could use this for whatever it is. It's very thoughtful of you, Charlie. Why don't you help me? What are you making? Hold that end. Is it a Starbucks? Help me carry one of those logs, please. Are you going to tell me? Not right now. Not right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe next week. I Maybe hate never. that. <laughs> I mean, if you're not going to tell us, just show us building the stuff and don't mention it. And we'll still continue to wonder. But don't tease us like that. Come on. I thought it was good. You like that? I just like to see you get all <laughs> frustrated and yell at the TV. Yeah, you, you, you I, just, I very much. You just want it, the life insurance money after my blood pressure goes through the roof. I know what you no, want. No, actually, I don't. You Libby um, gold digger. Hey, now. Just kidding. <laughs> we were just at dinner. He was telling me that he could never have a better wife. Actually, I was telling him that. But that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's just that point. Um. I I very much interact with the television while I watch TV. I talk to it. I yell at it. I throw things. Um, and you are able to just sit back and and watch a show. And you know, yeah, it was fun to see you get frustrated. I was frustrated. It's like they're going to tell us this episode. Yeah. What in the world they're building? You know, is it a condominium for the Islanders? I mean, <laughs> come on, just tell us already. So anyway, we 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 then end up going back to the institution, Santa Rosa. And Dr. Bruder, or Dr. Bruder. Jesus, so I got, would I call him that? I know, Dr. B, listen, man, you gotta, and I'm talking about Dr. Bruder. Uh, we, he didn't come in with his tabloid reports, and he's, from what I understood, he had some great reports to give us, and we'll just have to throw those in next week. But anyway, moving right along, we got Dr. Brooks, who comes back uh, into the scene, and they're, you know, Lenny's playing... The Connect Four the, game again right. with the and he's sitting there going over the numbers. Hurley and Dave are sitting there talking. Dave gives Hurley a hard time about eating some celery, and then Doctor Brooks comes up with a Polaroid and, camera and, and totally gets Hurley to steal Lenny's graham crackers. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> I tell you what, there's just nothing like your evil imaginary friend who just well, makes I, you do first, all kinds you, of things. At first, I thought. I th- that they were gonna make him his like his appetite. Like Dave was Hurley's appetite, and he's like the celery's not working. You know, you, you know what's funny, him. which is really stupid. I, I really stupid thought. I know, but I just thought it was funny. If you if you think about it, and you go back and watch the episode, and the only reason this is so clearly evident to me is because as I was putting the audio clips together, I had to listen to the entire episode without actually looking at, at what was right, going on right. on the screen. If you listen to it again and hear all the script that Dave has, those are all Hurley lines. Mm-hmm. Those are, I mean, even down to the dude. Dude. I mean, it's... It, come I on, mean, man. It, come on, man. It's like, you know, we're going to... We're on, you know, flight out of here tonight or whatever. And I mean, those are all Hurley-esque lines. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. So again, it's it's his conscious or it's his right. whatever. So 
alter ego, maybe. I, I don't know. Mitch I'm going to get some psychiatrist to tell me I'm off my rocker. So, anyway, we'll just move right along. I could have done that for free. I know. We come <laughs> after, after, immediately following the Polaroid picture, we come back and uh, to the island, and Hurley's giving Sawyer a demonstration on how to twist open a Dharma brand Oreo cookie. And, uh, of course... And Cliff points out that, that the one that he... The first one that Sawyer broke by trying to pop the top off of it, he throws, he throws in the sand. Like, because it's broken, it won't taste the same or something. I know. They, these are the biggest wasters of food. But my kids do that. If I pull if I pull a Pop-Tart out of the little foil um, packaging that it's in, but if it's got a crack down the middle, they won't eat it. I will tell you that if we were on an island for <laughs> 50 days... And we I'm have not sure eaten. You're right. My they kids, would eat it. my they kids are gonna. I don't care if it's got ants crawling on it. It'd be extra protein, and they would eat it probably. That's gross. But anyway, Sawyer just tosses it into the ground. But anyway, that, the whole point of uh, Hurley coming up to talk with Sawyer was to ask him for some medication. Yes. And so um, this gets Sawyer wondering, hey, why do you need some medication? And therefore, oh, and by the way, there's some talk on the forum. You know, somebody wanted to know, was was that a mistake in the script? Uh, is there a reason why Hurley would go to Sawyer for medication since obviously he was watching the World Poker Tour event on the island last week where Jack had basically gone all in mm-hmm. and won every bit all of the medication? Mm-hmm. Anyway, the response that I've seen some other people give is that, you know, of course, Hurley was watching from afar. Right, and that's not a, that's not a southern way of saying from a fire, uh, but anyway, <laughs> that's my comment. You read because I used that word. Did you really? I did. Oh, so I, were I, you the one that responded? I responded and I said that Hurley was watching from afar with Kate and Charlie, but the bet was made strictly between Sawyer and Jack. Right, that there was no one else around when they made that bet, so Hurley could possibly have not known. Yeah, so that yeah. conversation is out there, but anyway. Sawyer asks, you know, hey, what's this medication do? What's it for? It's for people who might be saying things. And he says, hey, are you saying things? Sawyer kind of plays around with Hurley and takes it a little too far. He's like, you mean like that guy over there? You mean like that guy there? Gotcha. That was awesome. <laughs> I love how I love how every you know couple punches you'll see Sawyer's head you know make it up out of the tarp and yeah. really pulls him back in and drags him back in beating him up some more and how Jen stood there I mean son is trying obviously trying to get him to go and and you know break this up and he just stands there and watches for a minute you can tell that that (laughs) he was enjoying it Jen's English is getting really good because he understands what Hurley is saying with every blow yeah he understands the stay puff and the and Jabba and (laughs) with every blow I just that was just awesome you know, and, really and I really got a lot of enjoyment after a bad day at work, sitting down <laughs> watching Hurley beat the crap out of Sawyer. I don't know fun. why that is, it was really but I fun. really enjoyed it. So, anyway, 
And uh I yeah, and and Jin laughing was just amazing. And then of course we're back at what? It was just amazing, like he never laughs before. Has he? I don't know. I thought it was amazing that he laughed, so he was pretty smiley the day I coming out of the tent, but I don't think he laughed. He wasn't laughing. He'd probably get in trouble if he was laughing. I was gonna say he wasn't that's what I just said. He wasn't but, laughing. I gotcha. We're back at the doctor's office, Dr. Brooks' office in Santa Rosa's institution. If I wasn't so fat, they never would have died. There were 23 people on that deck. It was built to hold eight, and it would have collapsed whether you went out there or not. Yeah, but I did walk out there. And it did collapse, but I killed them. It was an accident. That was my fault. Look, after those people died, you were in a practically catatonic state. You stopped talking, you stopped going out, you stopped sleeping, but you never stopped eating because that's how you punish yourself. The numbers are clearly back. There were 23 people people on on the the deck. deck. It was made to hold eight. Only eight. I hope that we get to go back to another Hurley flashback and actually get to witness that accident that caused this and who those 23 people were. Hurley has another breakdown and starts eating some food again. And then who shows up? Dave. You remember that night you closed that window on me? You remember what you did after that night? Yeah. I realized you were imaginary. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was a breakthrough. And a little while later, Brooks let me out and I went home to live with my mom and I got my job at Mr. Cluck's back. And I got better. Okay, good. Great. Yeah. Except, see, here's the thing. Uh, None of that ever happened. What? You're still at Santa Rosa, man. You never left the hospital. That's not possible. It's hard. I know. But, I mean, all this, you, me, this island, that peanut butter, none of it's real, man. None of it's happening. It's all in your head, my friend. The second you closed that window, your brain popped a gasket. You went back into your little coma thing. And that's where you are right this very second. In your own private Idaho, inside Santa Rosa. No, I had my mom, my friend Johnny. I won the lottery. Whoa, wow. Awesome, dude. What numbers did you play? Leonard's numbers, right? From the hospital, what a coincidence. You, uh, seen him around anywhere else? The hatch. Bingo! The hatch. With the button that you gotta push every 108 minutes or the world ends. Oh, 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 and and what's the code for the button? Oh, yeah. The numbers. But I got better. I changed. Changed? What, are you kidding me? Take a look at yourself. You've been on a deserted island for over two months and you haven't dropped ten pounds. How is that even possible, man? I just destroyed my stash. I've been exercising. Libby says it won't happen overnight. Right, right, Libby. The mega-cute blonde chick who magically appeared from the other side of the island. Oh, 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 yeah. And it just happens to have the hots for you. I want a more encouraging imaginary friend. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) I mean... Here's how we know that this instance of Dave is not real. Because he calls Libby a mega high bl- chick. Hat blonde chick. Yeah. 
But she had some makeup on. The producers of the show did take our advice, and they made Miss Clairol share her makeup with Miss Libby. So that now was somebody nice needs to, to share the shampoo with Kate. I, what what ha- what's <laughs> up with Kate? I don't know. The only thing I can say is that they've they've kept her out of the shower because they've got Gail down in the in the hatch. Anyway, um, <laughs> moving right along. The whole Dave imaginary world thing. I felt like they were making a mockery. I felt like the writers were making a complete mockery of some of the theories that that the listeners have been throwing around. But, at the same time, they wrote it very well. They did write it very well. There are a lot of people now that I believe are going around thinking that perhaps this is what's going on on the island now. They think that this is the story. This is this is the whole thing. But but Libby came up with a great thing. It's like, she's like, listen, what was the name of the guy who broke his leg that was yeah, brought that to I me? that I buried with I, my own hands. You know, right. and, and Hurley like, I don't know. It's because it didn't happen to you. It happened to me. And and then they show her in the institution taking her medicine at the end. So And why would Hurley be imagining her, the, the right. diagram on the wall inside of the hatch? Right. So, I mean, there's too many things that are not from the perspective of Hurley. But then, however, going back, you have to ask yourself, maybe all of these people are patients within Santa Rosa... And this is one of my very first theories, that every single person on the island is a patient at Santa Rosa, Mm -hmm. except for the others. But all the islanders, all the tail section survivors and all the fuselage survivors, they're all patients at Santa Rosa, and they're all a part of some kind of experiment being done there where they're in a group hallucination kind of thing where this is all being played out, and that's why everybody interacts with each other in their flashbacks and all these other things in their made-up world. The Dharma people, Zeke, and all those people, those are the real doctors. It could be that the whole instance of what happened at Santa Rosa could have all been an implanted memory. Right. And so, anyway, what? moving right along. There's so many theories out there. There is. And so, basically, we go back down into the hatch. John Locke, Anna Lucia, and somebody named... Well, we don't know what his name is, but he's decided that he's going to continue to use the name Gail. He kind of likes it. We go back down to Gail, and he says something that kind of hints on another theory that's been out there by people. And it's this idea that the island is in some way hidden... Mm-hmm. From the sight of everyone else in the world, including possibly even God. God knows how long, and you got caught in a net. God doesn't know. Excuse me? God doesn't know how long we've been here, John. He can't see this island any better than the rest of the world can. This is Dr. Bruder. We interrupt this episode of Generally Speaking for Lost in the News, The Island Report. Checking the island wire in headlines, this just in, Henry Gale has officially stated that he is another. Looking at other news at this hour, Dharma delivers in 47 minutes or less, or your next order of rations are free. Do you need a restocking drop of rations to your hatch? Are you running low on fish-shaped crackers, giant two-gallon tubs of peanut butter, or everyone's favorite Dharma macaroni and cheese? If so, it's that time of year to call Dharma. You will be amazed at the speed and secrecy of your order. Your pellet will be on the ground before you realize it. Just watch your head. This just in, Henry Gale has officially stated that now he is not another. 
In further news, it is rumored that Saeed found a color photocopying machine and a laminator in an abandoned hatch and forged a fake ID just to use it to incriminate the innocent Henry Gale. Why is he taking out his anger on Mr. Gale when it's Anna Lucia that killed his girlfriend? It's anyone's guess as to just what the Iraqi defector is up to. This just in, Henry Gale has officially stated he's a Dharma operative. In more news, the word is that Desmond is no more than an island junkie who had all-night rave parties with his Dharma friends in the Swan Station. New evidence of black lights in the Swan Station seems to confirm this. This just in, Henry Gale states that he is the him that he and Zeke have referred to. In island sporting news, Hurley is the front-runner for medal contention in the Island Olympics event of the marathon, while it looks like France is going to have a strong archery team that is led up by Rousseau. This just in, Henry Gale has officially stated that he is done lying, and he is really the domestic partner of the smoke monster. In other worldly news, the almighty deity God admits to knowing everything except for the events that are transpiring on the island. God was quoted as saying, The only problem about being omnipotent is the inability to follow what is happening on the island. I just can't see the island. And finally, this just in, Henry Gale has officially stated that he now is really done lying and he is a wingy. That is, someone who rode on the wing of Flight 815 before it crashed. This has been Dr. Bruder, and we now return you to Generally Speaking. Okay, so there is yet another theory that's kind of mm-hmm. just thrown into this episode, and I think that they're throwing fuel on the fire so that people will keep chasing after them so that they won't be hot on the trail of what might what actually might be, be happening. So, because uh, that's just kind of the feeling I get from these producers and writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Next up, Libby uh, saves Hurley from jumping off the ledge. And there's Which this. I was happy to see that because you thought in the clips that she was pushing him. Yeah, I you thought. You were per- absolutely certain from the trailer that Libby was going to try to push him. I wasn't certain, but I, I. The thing is, is somebody you heard somebody screaming, and you, and it was kind of like, well, did Hurley fall? You know, and it's like if Hurley fell, I don't think he jumped himself. I think he was pushed. That's kind of where I was going with that because I still believe that Libby is another. Here's your pill, Libby. Even though we saw Libby as a patient going back all the way to just after the Polaroid picture that we're seeing it from a different perspective, I don't know that that's any sufficient proof that she was a patient at Santa Rosa because we know that they're completely messing with our head as to whether or not that is a real or fictional reality. And perhaps Libby was there as not a patient but as a plant or perhaps an observer of Hurley. If anything, I think that it's obvious that Ethan Rom was another, and mm-hmm. he seemed like a psych ward type of patient to me, so if that goes for yeah. anything. But Goodwin didn't seem like a psycho patient. 
But I'm just saying, being a psych ward patient doesn't exclude you from being on the Dharma staff. Yeah. So, that's all I'm saying. Last night was a good episode, but it's still, it left me more confused, I think, than I was before. And I, and I think that's what they tried to do. Right. They tried to make you think that now you know what's going on, but in fact... And then they left it with, you really don't have a clue. Yeah, because you had Libby giving him that kiss, and then all of a sudden having that strange, worried look on her face, like, oh my gosh. Kind of like the same look that <laughs> He's such a man. Because, he's such a man, because he's like, well... I might believe that that was real if you do it again. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, no doubt. You go, <laughs> really. Was, yeah. So anyway, here's what Jeff had to say about Libby. Hi, this is Jeff, also known as X-Force 11 from the message board. Just wanted to comment about tonight dealing with Libby. I think uh, that we saw her there in the uh, place in Santa Rosa with Hurley, and she thinks Hurley can change because she's changed. She possibly got out of the institution and wanted to care for people in condition like she had been, and she went to school. So that's my thoughts on Libby, and love the podcast, and hope to hear from y'all soon. Bye. Alrighty, well, this portion of our show is called Generally Speaking About Lost. And so what I want to talk about are a couple things that I did uncover and find since our last show. Let's see here. First off is the map that was found or revealed on the bunker door. And, uh, of course, uh, there are a lot of people who have caught screen captures of that. You've got the high-definition versions of it. In fact, I have one of those up on our show notes for this episode. And right under that, I have a translated version that was put up by the tailsection.com website. Basically, here are a couple things that I found on this. And you can actually go to our show notes, see this uh, translated map and uh, see for yourself all the things that are on there. I mean, there is just so much information, I'm not going to be able to really get even to half of what's on there. But here are some of the things that are. Uh, First of all, the map does reveal at least four confirmed stations or hatches. Uh, First of all, the swan is obvious. Uh, They have one called the flame. They have one called the staff, which is the medical hatch. Uh, They have one that's called the arrow. And there are three more hatches that are drawn with dotted lines rather than solid, solid lines. And perhaps that means that, you know, they, the person who put this knows that those are out there in those general vicinity, but hasn't really actually made that a solid line because it hasn't been confirmed that those are the actual locations. Two of them do appear uh, to be somewhat known where they are. One of them's crossed out. However, one of them does appear to be underwater. At least there's some little wavy lines drawn to indicate that that might be water. Uh, in the center of the um, diagram, there is a question mark with a circle around it. And it says something like, it says purpose unknown. There is also something written where it says relation to D-I-H-G unknown. And we were wondering if that's maybe... Dharma Initiative Hanso Group, or something of that nature. Uh, Let's see here. There are some miscellaneous translations that I just picked at random to read to you. These are things that were written in Latin, uh, scribbled onto this diagram. 
uh, that have been translated into English, and I'm just going to read to you a couple random ones. One of them says, I think we're on the same wavelength. Uh, the second one says here, it's a bad plan that cannot be changed. I think, therefore, I am depressed. A mouse does not rely on just one hole. Why so many Darmatel relays in such an untenable location? See here, possible manufacturing facility with light industrial equipment, uh, subterranean subterranean conduit. Sightings coincide with emergency shutdown of intranet services. You really do need to go to the show notes and check out this map that has been translated. There is so much on there that would just uh, keep you busy for at least an hour. Uh, next up in our show notes is a close-up of uh, Henry Gale's license, and it confirms that indeed the numbers are back, and uh, his address was 815 Walnut Ridge Road. Stephanie, have you seen the uh, license plate recycling that possibly has been out there? 4TRI019? Yes. It's found on the front license plate of Anthony Cooper's fancy car with the dark tinted windows and lockdown. It's the same exact license plate number of the TNG found in Season 1, Episode 19, Another Lot Flashback. Uh, Moderator Matt posted on the forum wondering if this was intentional or a prop error. That's right. You hate those kind of errors. I do. You really do. So I I hope that this was intentional. You know, I don't know that it could be. I I, I don't know what they would be trying to say with the license plate. I need to go back and see see the... um, the context in, involving the tan jeep, though, I don't re- I don't recall that. Just, I you know, I have no idea who found this. I mean, it's on the tailsection.com. I'll put the the image up in the show notes for you to see. But it's just, uh, I think it's Anthony Cooper's jeep parked in a parking lot back in Locke's last flashback from last season, and then it's Anthony Cooper's license plate on his new car, and it's the same license plate number. I mean, he is a con man, though. Ah, and you know what? Kate had lots of... Well, there we go. I mean, Kate carried around a collection of license plates. I'm so smart. You are so smart. You have (laughs) just solved this problem. So, uh, Matt, you were wondering if it's intentional or a prop error? It's neither. I say intentional. (laughs) It's it's, Exactly. It's intentional because he uses the same license plate, you know, regardless of what... I mean, it's he uses... And I bet if they looked it up, his name would not be Anthony Cooper. Probably not. It'd probably be a black man named Henry Gale. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right. And then on our show notes, I do have one more image that you're going to want to take a look at. Okay, what's that? That is uh, an image that Ryan Ozawa sent me. Now, Ryan is from the old Transmission mm-hmm. Lost podcast. Mm-hmm. And he sent an email to me saying that he received a very suspicious package. I saw that you forwarded that email to me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of lost reading it, so go ahead and... Basically, he had, he had said he had gotten this at his home address. And it was a package contain, containing a letter and a CD-ROM sent by Priority Mail with a very official-looking the Hanso Foundation envelope and letterhead. Uh, you have to go check out this image. The letter was dated 15 March 2006, and it said something like, My friend, the truth must be revealed to all who seek answers. And it, then I couldn't read the rest. And then it's something like, Keep your eye on the HansoFoundation.org. More will be revealed in due time. 
And then Ryan had told me that he was afraid to stick the disc into his computer, not knowing who it came from. I would be too. Wondering if it had a virus. And I, I told Ryan that he should find somebody with an old, beat-up computer that's not hooked up to the internet right. to check out what's on that disc. My thinking is it had to come from somebody. What is the HanSoFoundation.com? Uh, is that no, dot, dot org. Is but, that the one that ABC is revamping yes, to do the special summer thing, the interactive thing? Absolutely. It's the one that kind of had the different projects of the Hanso Foundation. Right. You know, the uh, juxtaposial eugenics. But it's the one, they, they, ABC pulled down and they're going to restart right. it in and, May. And so here you have the official Lost okay. podcast saying that they're going to be doing something. And then he gets something And then he the gets mail. this letter with a disc saying, hey, there's more information. Just keep your eye out there for the HansoFoundation.org. More will be revealed. So, hmm. Ryan, you got to open that thing up, break it loose, and see what's on that desk and let Mail us know. Mail to Cliff. He's got a couple old computers there you he go. can throw it in. All right. Uh, that's all I have for the general lost talk. I just wanted to, to touch up on those couple things there. Lost in the News. Greetings and salutations, it's Rem here with Lost in the News. Well, it's safe to say the Blast Door map has become the biggest topic of conversation and investigation among Lost fans. It appears to be the Rosetta Stone for solving the overall mystery of Lost. Oh, and coming up later in the spoiler section of the show, it appears that the meaning of the map has been deciphered and the mystery of the map has been solved. That's coming up a little bit later on on Generally Speaking. And speaking of the map, on the lost-media.com website, a user in France named Lost Island wrote about the name Valenzetti, which was found on the lower left corner of the map. Now, the words are, quote, low relevance to Valenzetti-related research activity. And that name is spelled V-A-L-E-N-Z-E-T-T-I. Now, according to Lost Island, a Google search revealed a log of recently registered domain names. See where this is going? The names include ValenzettiEquation.com, EnzoValenzetti.com, TheValenzettiEquation.com, and Valenzetti.com. So, who is Enzo Valenzetti? Well, perhaps this site, like the Hanso Foundation website, will give us more clues to the mystery of Lost. And it appears the shooting for Lost is moving from the tropical paradise of Hawaii to Los Angeles. And the reason... Of course, is money. With ABC's Grey's Anatomy and Desperate Housewives both being cheaper to produce, the pressure is on to move the production of Lost to Los Angeles to save on costs. Now, the result is the last two to three episodes of the current season have been rewritten and are presently being reshot. The second season finale, third season opener, will be a multi-party storyline featuring the castaways having to move to a different part of the island one that will obviously resemble the California coastline. And the producers of Lost are seeking a new scheduling model for the show in the U.S. to curb the frequency of repeats. Now, whether that affects viewers outside the U.S. was not discussed. Now, most TV series in the States, including Lost, typically air 22 new episodes each season over a period of 36 weeks, meaning that new episodes are often punctuated with repeats of old episodes, or as we like to call them, hiatus weeks. Many Lost fans have complained that having to wait many weeks for a new episode has ruined their enjoyment of the show. 
Now, Kiefer Sutherland's show, 24, has successfully avoided that problem by delaying its return from September to January so it can air the full season without interruption. Great idea. Now, although Lost's broadcaster, ABC, is unwilling to adopt a similar strategy, show producers have come up with a compromise solution. Damon Lindelof says, quote, We're lobbying ABC for when the show is on, it's on, and when it's off, it's off. So we want to air it in three acts next year, blocks of seven, seven, and eight. But in order to do that, we'd have to roll the show out in October instead of September, and hopefully that will work out. That would certainly give the viewers a better idea of when to expect new episodes. Let's wait and see now if ABC pays attention. And a big thanks to Bubba Coop for posting this story on the Generally Speaking Forum. It's a new book on Lost, and you can find out more by going to the website called www thelostworldbook.com It comes from Sourcebooks. It's due to be released on April 7th and it's called Unlocking the Meaning of Lost, an unauthorized guide written by Lynette Porter and David Lavery. The book will inspect Lost's characters, investigate the show's genesis, an ongoing imagination that continues to propel it. It'll identify the series' literary, cinematic, and television ancestors, explore the themes of the show, and of course, scrutinize the fans. That address again is www.thelostworldbook.com. Oh, and by the way, you know, I was watching the new episode of Lost called Dave, and we learned that Libby is actually a patient in the psych ward with Hurley. Now, wait a second. Didn't, um, didn't someone call that one back in, oh, early February? Yeah, yeah. Now, who was that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It was me! Now, I can't take credit for the theory, but I sure did grab onto it. You know, I just love being right. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to do the Lost Happy Dance of Victory! Okay, now that's done. And that's a wrap on Lost in the News. My name is Rem... You know, the guy who was right. And we now return you to the Generally Speaking control room. Thanks, Rem, for your news update this week. You know, I have this vivid mental image of, of Rem dancing the, the celebration. <laughs> of <laughs> Rem? Yeah, this is just wrong. As far as Libby being a patient, I am not completely sold yet, Rem. I'm sorry. But uh, I would say the, the odds are definitely in your favor. Only if the whole idea of that flashback is not implanted memory. Hmm. But anyway, moving along. Uh, what do you think about the move to California? I mean, is that a big sellout or what? That is horrible. I mean, all these people just went to Hawaii and bought houses and they have families that they have to uproot. That just bugs me. I think it could actually end up being you know, easier on the families there, not being... So far removed from the uh, no, from what they're I, used no. to. If you remember back to if you remember back to the interview with Matthew Fox on one of the shows that we saw uh-huh. him on, he said that um, he looked forward to relocating his family to Hawaii. They had been looking forward to getting out of L.A. for quite some time, right? And now they're going back. Yeah. So maybe Matthew Fox will be killed off. Uh, there are some rumors maybe that might be happening. We don't, which know. I don't want to happen. I, I like Jack. Right. But, um, I mean, there's no definite rumor that that's happening. It, it's it's a sellout. Yeah. It's a sellout. I, you, you, you can't... Okay. I love Grey's Anatomy. 
but you cannot compare Lost to Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy. No, I mean... Because it, one of the things that makes it so special is its location. Yes. It's not some stage. It's not some cheesy beach in California. <laughs> hey, now, watch it. We got a lot of California <laughs> listeners here. I know, and the beaches in California are beautiful. I've been there. I've been there. I still want to go there. I know you do. I went without gloves. <laughs> she ran in the rock and I, roll marathon. I ran in the inaugural rock and roll marathon in San Diego. All 26.2 miles. One time life experience. Uh, what about the episode runs idea? The whole going seven that weeks works. off a couple weeks, that go works. seven weeks off a couple weeks, and then go eight weeks to the mm-hmm. finale. That that works. I would have no problem with them starting in October because that would really help us with our summer review mm-hmm. of season one and two. Yeah. Elias started in October one season. Yeah. They did. They, they did that. And as far as the whole 24 thing starting in January and, and running straight through, that's that's a really good idea. I really like that. Mm-hmm. But 24 needs to come up with a new idea. <laughs> yeah, a new premise <laughs> to their show. Jack Bauer, I've said it before on this show, Jack Bauer is saving the world. Single-handedly. Single-handedly in 24 hours. Dying and coming back to life over and so over again. But uh, but yes, the, I quit this, watching the show. By the way, just so our January, listeners know, yeah, we did. Starting in January, running through May, it, it's a really good idea. Yeah, I think that I either that or I. But I, I really like the seven seven eight. I like it, the seven seven eight. I like the idea of having some breaks in between there, mm-hmm. not like one episode, two weeks off. Show two episodes, four weeks right. off. That's just ridiculous. So we have a new episode next week, though, right? And so then we'll be four straight weeks. Absolutely. Eric Fisher here with the Crazy Lost Theory of the Week. Just wanted to uh, delve a little deeper into the material that the producers say will be out this summer that tied us over till the next season. Just kind of want to think about what that would be. Um, I've got a few ideas. In fact, I think the strongest idea is actually another show. Yes, another show that will be maybe like a spin-off of Lost that we can watch over the summer. And I think the character that they would pick would be Locke. Well, don't take my word for it. Here, here's the promo I found. Locke. There was a time when I let you choose whether or not you were going to do this to yourself. Now I'm making that choice for you. He'll get down to the issues. Why do you find it so hard to believe? Why do you find it so easy? It's never been easy! I just don't think $30 is worth getting angry about. Well, Francine feels like $30. Francine feels a little too much, you ask me. You all do. With an encouraging word. Will you shut up? With a heart of gold. Trusted you, Henry. Now you got to trust me. Always there to defend you. we got a serious problem. I'm taking the necessary steps to solve it. Looking out for you. Trust is a hard thing to win back. He's looked into the eye of the island. What am I supposed to do? He can help you with your father issues. So-and-so never called me back. My mother stole $30 from me. I never even knew who my parents were. I met my real father. Great news, right? He pretended to love me just long enough to steal my kidney because he had to have a transplant. And then he dropped me back in the world like a piece of trash, just like he did on the day that I was born. You want your $30 back? I want my kidney back. He can help you with your marital issues. Morning, Jack. Couldn't wait until I was done in here. The steam opens up my pores. I also thought this might be a good time to talk about our problem. John Locke is Dr. Locke. No relation to Dr. Phil.
Okay, we're going to start off our listener feedback with an email that I received from the Gunslinger, and he even gave us an audio clip to go along with it. He says, Cliff, here is something for the folks who believe that Bernard is perhaps an other. In the episode The Whole Truth, Jin comes across Bernard awkwardly working with Annette. He tries to tell Bernard that he's fishing the wrong way. But Bernard says, and I'll play the clip. Oh, no, 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 it's not for fish. No, 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 no. Oysters. Oyster. Pearl. For Rose. Pearl. No oyster. No oyster here. Ah, of course not. Why would there be? And then uh, the gunslinger asks, so was he actually looking for a pearl so that he could make up for the anniversary debacle? Or is he perhaps looking for an underwater hatch? Perhaps something called the Pearl Station? Next up, we got a call from Debbie, and she is from Minnesota. And she had some thoughts uh, regarding our conversations last week regarding Anthony Cooper. And here's what she had to say on our listener line. Hi, guys. Uh, This is Debbie. I'm calling from Minnesota. Just listened to your uh, podcast on lockdown. And I got to agree with you, Cliff, about always being on lockside. I am the same. He's always he's been my favorite character since uh, the one of the first episodes when we found out that he uh, could walk after being in a wheelchair, and he has remained so even when he gets flaky. I think he's a very tragic character. He is the uh, epitome of the sins of the father being visited upon the son. Uh, Anthony Cooper not only the whole kidney deal, but completely um, advocated his responsibility when Locke was born, uh, knowing that his mother was mentally ill, and just leaves Locke then to the devices of the um, of the system, the foster care system, and Locke never grew up with a family um, of any kind, and so I think that Anthony Cooper is evil personified. Uh, I also think that about Son's father. I know a lot of the people, a lot of the characters have daddy issues, but I think Anthony Cooper and Son's father are are truly evil and not just flawed men. Uh, I also agree with you, Stephanie, that um, that even though it may turn out that Anthony Cooper is the original Sawyer, that I can't see him being in the same league as our Sawyer, as our James Ford, um, because I think of who I wouldn't mind being conned out of 600 grand for a few hours with, and it would definitely be James Ford, who makes me weak in the knees. Um, but I'm just kidding. I know there's a family podcast, and I don't have 600 grand anyway. But I, so I don't. I agree with you, Stephanie. I don't see that Anthony Cooper could be as successful as R. Sawyer in being able to play that kind of a con. But we will see how how it plays out. And hope you all are well. Thank you. Okay. Next up, we've got a voicemail, and this one actually comes to us all the way from Germany. And uh, this is from Thomas. Hello. This is Thomas. I'm calling all the way from Germany. Listen to your podcast every week. Love it. And I'd like to start off by saying that my thoughts and prayers are with you and your family at this time. Now, I'd like to get right into it. I have some theories concerning Lost. I think this is actually what's happening on the island. I think that the Dharma Initiative found out about this island somehow and needed a corporate sponsor to set up their research stations on there. For that, they went to the Hanzo Foundation, which provided them with supplies and personnel to colonize this island and run their scientific experiments, whatever they may be. 
I think over time, though, there was a contingent of original Dharma Initiative members that began to disagree with the members of the Hansa Foundation as far as the philosophy of what they were doing there. The people from the Hansa Foundation only going after the profit and what they can turn into weapons, etc., whereas the Dharma Initiative was actually trying to build a utopian society. I think that the split between these two groups is what led to the two different groups of others that are found on the island today, the Hansa Foundation being the group that Ethan Rom is a part of, and the Dharma Initiative group, the one that Goodwin belongs to. I think the clue there is the name, Goodwin, which just like Ethan Rom is an anagram of other man, I think Goodwin is a clue to us that those are the good ones. Also, you can see them walking bare through the jungle, which means they're closer to nature. And as far as the Widmore Labs or the Widmore Group, personally, I think that's a second corporation, possibly the one that actually owns Oceanic Airlines, that found out about the Dharma Initiative slash Hanzo Group on the island and wants to muscle in on the territory. I think in the next couple of seasons, this will come to light and we'll see struggles between these not two, but three groups of others on the island. And when you throw in the, the passengers into the list, I think it's going to be a very interesting next couple of seasons. And I look forward to watching Lost and hearing your podcast next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. It's an interesting theory. Okay, guys. Well, Thomas left us another uh, exciting theory of his, and I'm going to go ahead and play that one for you now. I'd like to share with you for a minute my theory concerning the numbers. Now, as many of you may have seen from the old HansaFoundation.org website, one of the uh, projects that the Dharma Initiative was involved in was something called mathematical forecasting. Now, there's this series by uh, the great science fiction author Isaac Asimov uh, called Foundation, which deals with basically using mathematics and history in a term called psychohistory to plot out future events to a startling degree of accuracy. I believe that the mathematical forecasting is exactly this, and that the numbers are what we call seed parameters for some kind of algorithm that can actually use them, that can actually be used to predict the future. In other words, if you take any other numbers, plug it into this algorithm, you'll have complete gibberish. But when you include the numbers, 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, put them into the algorithm, you come out with something that actually predicts the future and allows you to change it. I think that whoever's manipulating the island group is using this algorithm to predict what will happen when they insert subtle modifications at specific time, points in time and space. For example, the psychic in Claire's story, or, uh, well, I'll leave it up to your imagination. And uh, using that to manipulate the island group together to the island. And, yeah, well, that's the starting point anyway. Hey guys, it's Matt from Long Island. Um, I just wanted to tell you that you guys do a great job every week, and I love listening to your show. Um, I was curious. I don't know if anybody else picked up on this or called in yet about it, but um, when the doctor was talking to Hurley and he was talking about how um, the dock collapsed and stuff, or, or whatever they were standing on, um, there it was supposed to hold only eight people, but there were 23 people on it. I just thought that was pretty cool that they, those were Hurley's numbers, and I wanted to see if anybody else caught that. All right, that's about it. Um, I hope Stephanie's grandmother's doing okay. We're, I'm praying for her and stuff, all right? Um, thanks a lot for doing the podcast, guys. I'll talk to you later. Bye. 
with Stephanie and Rachel. Hope you guys are all doing well. I hope Rachel's back from her missing in action stuff. And Stephanie, I want to say sorry about your grandmother. I heard that from the last podcast, and I'm very sorry about that. I'm sure it's a very difficult time for you guys. Hey, I'm calling about the episode Dave, and I like the character-heavy episodes. I know some people are more gung-ho on the island information-packed episodes, but I like having a break between all the kind of intense uh, activity like the map provided the week before last. Basically, I thought the first 40 minutes were a bit slow. It was very heavy on the flashbacks about Hurley and Libby, and Libby was acting a little suspicious in my mind. She seemed very calm, very serene at the beginning, like she was his personal shrink kind of following him around the island. So mm, a little suspicious there. Now, the last 20 minutes were great. We got some, you know, fairly good surprises. I didn't think it was a surprise that Dave was imaginary. I kind of assumed that from the beginning. But I thought it was really good that they kind of showed at the very end that Hurley was kind of getting more and more linked up with this whole Dave um, fantasy. And it seemed like the writers were having some fun maybe addressing the theory that it's all a dream, it's all in their mind, it's all a fantasy with that sort of Dave um, Hurley exchange. At the very end, I thought it was very strange that Libby was the one that found him in the cliff, talked him down, calmed him down, kissed him. But you see that look she gave at the end when he turned away? It was very like, I did my job, I didn't want to, but I had to. So I thought, okay, I'm kind of suspicious of Libby now. I have to admit it. She may be one of the others. Um... Basically, I thought it was, you know, a good episode. I liked the fact that she was a patient at the end, but was she really a patient? Was she a plant there to watch Hurley? Who knows? Good episode. Next week looks great as well with Rose and Bernard. I'm kind of curious to see. I've heard some of the spoilers about them, so hopefully we'll get some good information on them. So till next time, thanks, guys, and bye-bye. Hey, Cliff and the gang. This is Sherida calling from Orange County, California. Um, just wanted to comment on tonight's very interesting episode. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was the whole um, just idea that this was all a dream of Hurley's. It really seems like the um, the producers are kind of poking fun at some of those theorists out there who are saying, yeah, it's all a dream, somebody's going to wake up. So I just thought that was interesting. It reminded me a lot of the episode where um, Zeke or... Um, Mr. Friendly said that that was an interesting theory. It just seemed like a, you know, almost a shout out to all those theorists out there saying, yeah, we're listening, but um, you're not quite hitting the mark. Um, another thing I wanted to comment on, but th- with the last doors from the previous episode of Lockdown, where it seems like the blast doors came down, and that's when the food was dropped. And what I'm wondering is, if the blasters come down and then the numbers aren't entered, then they know it's safe to drop the food. And maybe that's the only time that nothing happens, as our um, person who is known as Henry Gale has mentioned. He said nothing happened when he didn't push the button. But maybe the only time nothing happens is when the food's being delivered. So that's just my thought on the numbers and um, on the whole, this is all a dream. So... Thanks for the great show. I um, look forward to hearing the next episode. Have a good night. Bye. Hello, everyone. It's Kim again with trivia quiz number six. This week's quiz was a theme quiz. And all the questions were about the actors on the show. The winners this week were Matt. Of course, it was Matt. And a new player, 
Cat Marie 24. So congratulations you too. Matt, I know you're looking for that trivia king avatar, so maybe we'll need to uh, get together and hook you up with that. So the questions for this week were as followed. Number one, which actor or actress has appeared in a Snoop Dogg video? And the correct answer is Malcolm David Kelly. Number two, Yoon Kin Kim earned a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in acting from which university? And the correct answer is Boston University. Number three had several answers. I did go through all of them, and I made sure that the winners had a correct answer. The question for number three was, connect Maggie Grace to Lisa Loeb. And I said, think of like seven degrees, I'm sorry, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. So the one I came up with was Maggie Grace was in the fog with Selma Blair. Selma Blair is married to Ahmet Zappa. Ahmet Zappa is the younger brother of Dweezil Zappa. Dweezil Zappa once dated Lisa Loeb. Number four. What is the name of the film that Naveen Andrews starred in with his longtime girlfriend and what is her name? Correct answer is The Drowning on Dry Land with Barbara Hershey. Number five. On what date did... A thief entered Josh Holloway's home and robbed him at gunpoint. The correct answer was October 12, 2005. Number six. Which actor starred as Mercutio in the remake of Romeo and Juliet? What is the name of the actor that played the same part in the original version of the movie? The actor that played the part in the remake was Harold Perrineau. (laughs) And the actor that played the part in the original movie was John McEnry. Number seven, Terry O'Quinn has been in numerous movies, both TV and big screen. In two of the movies, he has played a character named Henry, named the movies. The correct answer is The Good Fight and Kaleidoscope. Number eight, who was once married to Murray Hone? Correct answer, Evangeline Lilly. Number nine, which Who's the Boss character also stars in Crash with Daniel Day Kim? Now, I was looking for the character, not the actor's name. And the character was Tony Maselli. Number 10. Jorge Garcia starred in Tomorrow by Midnight with Alexis Arquette. Alexis is currently starring in which TV reality show? And the correct answer is The Surreal Life on VH1. 11. Who was born on July 14, 1966? The correct answer, Matthew Fox. Number 12. Which actor or actress is 5 feet 2 inches tall? The correct answer is Emile de Ravine. Number 13. What is the name of the film in which Dominic Monaghan makes his film debut? Two possible answers. If you went for the film, the film was Boomer. If you went for the TV movie, it was called Hostile Waters. Number 14. Maggie Grace and Ian Summerhalder. Sorry about all the the botched names here tonight. Can both be connected to Tom Welling? What is the name of the character that Ian played on Tom's show? The correct answer is Adam Knight, and I was also looking for the name of the show, and the show is Smallville. So again, congratulations to Cat Marie 24 and Matt. Thank you, everyone else who played. Thanks, Rach, for supporting the trivia game. That's it for me. So thank you, everybody, and I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Oh, guys, it's been a long week, and uh, it's about 1230 in the morning. Uh, Friday now, and (laughs) we've obviously not gotten much sleep this week. Uh, We still want to thank everybody that called in, and uh, there is an update on Stephanie's grandmother posted in a blog post at www.ravenscraft.org if you want to 
uh, take a look there. And uh, unfortunately, we did not really comment on all the calls that came in this week, and and uh, we've just pretty much been sitting back uh, and playing the clips as they come. And uh, we just hope that you guys will uh, hang in there with us while we get through some pretty difficult times uh, here in the family. And uh, we'll be back on our A game soon enough. And uh, hopefully Rachel will be able to uh, join us next week. And uh, we're going to go ahead and let Rem close the show out with a very exciting spoiler section that he has put together for us. So until next time, let's, let's get, get lost. lost. This isn't what was supposed to happen. What's going to happen? You don't want to know what was supposed to happen. I know. Because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what? We're not going to find out. Don't you want to know? Hey there, it's Rem checking in with the Lost Spoiler section of the Generally Speaking podcast. Well, coming up on Wednesday, the 12th of April, is the new episode, which is called SOS, Episode 19, and it's a Rose and Bernard-centric episode, and here's the official description. Rose is surprisingly and vehemently opposed to Bernard's plan to create an SOS signal. Romantic sparks are rekindled between Jack and Kate when they trek into the jungle to propose a trade with the others. And Locke begins to question his faith in the island. Now, from the Generally Speaking forum, one of our users named Barbershop writes, If what Insider Scoop said on ABC Lost forums today is true, then the trade implied on SpoilerFix.com is indeed a trade for Henry in exchange for Walt and or Michael. Does make sense? And we had that validated by the preview for next week's show. So it looks like that's going to be happening fairly shortly. In other plot developments this May, we'll find out why Oceanic Air Flight 815 crashed, we'll witness the return of Michael, and learn more of the consequences of failure to input the numbers into the computer. And we hear that one, possibly two lostaways will die by the end of the season. Fan speculation is that Michelle Rodriguez will be the one to go, since she's up on DUI charges, and it turns out her trial has been postponed until next month after her attorney has asked for more time. From the Generally Speaking Forum, the gunslinger believes that one of these four characters will meet their maker. Either Walt, Michael, Anna Lucia, or Jack. Now he says Jack would be his number one pick, except that certain people in high places have ruled that one out. And it only took a week, but the mystery of the map has been solved. Thanks to Jay and Jack from their Lost podcast at jayandjack.com, we've learned the real story behind the map on the blast door. Remember that big circle in the middle with a question mark on it? Well, after running simulations through a mainframe computer at NASA, Jay and Jack have uncovered the startling truth. Once again, that map on the hatch, tons of clues. The only problem with the map is I really haven't had a chance to look at it, like I said, but uh, where's that Super Walmart I've been talking about? (laughs) Where they got the glue and everything. I guess uh, that doesn't exist. Well, you don't know. Could, could be it could be the center of the uh, that could be the question mark it could be just a giant super a giant Walmart super Walmart in the that's, what, that's what it is that's a possibility I, I super Walmart that. is taking over the entire lost island well maybe <laughs> the other hatches were all their own little stores what is it Sam Walton <laughs> and no all the other hatches were little stores and then a Walmart showed up and ran all the other hatches out of business that's, that could be <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, the revelation of the hatch door map revealed a major plot point that carries on through the rest of the season. Damon Lindelof says, quote, It plays huge in the finale, and even in episodes 21 through 24. 
21 is an episode that is very much on the sort of fundamental axis of the map, and it's a lock and echo story, which was written by myself, being Lindelof, and executive producer Carlton Cuse. And the episode is called Question Mark, because that is the symbol that Locke remembers from the map. And what about Desmond? Well, according to Lindelof, quote, Desmond will be back, and that's all that I can say. And one other thing that Damon Lindelof said, he, um, well, how do I uh, say this? Um, Well, two survivors of the um, opposite sex are going to, uh, (laughs) well, they're going to get busy. My money, for the record, is on Anna Lucia with Sawyer. And that is the spoiler section. Thanks for listening. My name is Rem, and we now return you to the Generally Speaking Studios. You have been listening to Generally Speaking, a podcast production of Ravenscraft.org. You can make our show even better with your feedback. Call our listener comment line at area code 413-521-0958. After you hear this greeting... Thank you for calling. To leave a message, please press 1. Leave your comments and questions, and please start with your name and where you're calling from. This podcast is made possible with the generous support of our listeners and in part by periodic sponsors to the show. If you would like to contribute to our weekly podcast, simply click on the PayPal donate button on our website at ravenscraft.org. Join us next week for another edition of Generally Speaking. Thanks for listening. You're going to listen back to this and be like, we're going to re-record. <laughs> that's horrible. Oh, gosh, I'm tired. You're just now on Matt. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Will you just end this show so I can go to bed? <laughs> Please.